This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Up next on Inside Champ Car, unveiling the pros and cons of buying a pre-owned race-ready race car. Welcome to Inside Champ Car. I'm Bill Strong, and the guy next to me on the screen, on your computer, is Champ Car's own Chief of Tech, Ray Frank. Ray, Ray, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. How you doing tonight? I'm wired, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't think there's an echo out there. I think it's working. I'm probably talking way too loud for everybody, but hey, it's a good evening. Let me turn this music down. Let me slide that down. Yes, you could have put that reverb entrance on, but it would get old after a while. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I did want to do that. I made sure I had all the windows, all the extra. Let's see. Yep, they're all off. So, Ray. <clears throat> so tonight's uh, tonight's topic of discussion. We don't have. Oh, by the way, we don't have Brian here. Brian is off somewhere in. NOLA, wherever that is, New Orleans. He just did the uh, SCCA race this past weekend live on uh, SCCA's uh, broadcast channel on YouTube. That was fun to watch. Kind of wish we'd go back to that track, don't you, Ray? Oh, yeah. I like that. It's a beautiful facility. Very well built. It's flat, but, man, I think his character to be a flat track and races really well. You know, I mean, we had a really good event down there. What, was it two years ago? I think it was last year. Okay, last year. Yeah, last year. <laughs> See, I think it was last year. Maybe the year before. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it was a good – no, we didn't go last year. Remember, we canceled it, and they got really pissed yeah. off with us. But So I was right. Yeah, the year before Again. we went. Yeah. Yes, Ray. You're right. Ray is right. So and our – good, good facility. Our topic, and for those out there waiting to start your drinking – I want to say back in 2016, I was given an Opal GT by a friend. I want to say it was race ready. You did? Are they drinking? No, I was no. just looking. We're two minutes into the show. <laughs> two minutes, and we've opened up yeah, already. We opened up. So he gave it to me. It's kind of race ready. Had a log book, and I thought, oh, you know, this is great, cheap car. He gave it to me for free. All I had to do was go and get it. You told me you bought, you paid six thousand dollars for that thing. Well, that's what I told the wife. I didn't tell her I got it for free. Wait, is you do it the other way? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that was that one Yeah. So, the yeah, Jimmy's like two minutes. He's already drunk. Um, but yeah, so I was given this car, got it home, set it off to the side. We went some race. We did some racing. Broke my my you know the real race car, and. uh Got home. We had a week to get ready for a race. And so I said, hey, Ian, all we got to do is put a seat in this car and, you know, let's let's take it to Sebring. We got one week to do this. We can do it. Give it a paint job. Go racing. That got me thinking. 
because you know what? We got to Sebring and we were still working on that damn car because it just wasn't running right. As most of you that were at that Sebring, you know, it was not race ready. I've also seen a couple of ads for people posting up, you know, on the Internet, you know, Facebook Marketplace, race ready car, has a logbook, you know, and you look at it and I'll go in and say, hey, he said he raced a chump car. When's the last time he raced a chump car? Oh, 2013. So that's not really race ready. So there's the upside of buying a car that's kind of ready, mostly, most likely, maybe. But then there's that downside, Ray, of things that, you know, 15 years ago may not have been looked at as closely or, you know, fuel cells that had gas in it back in 2005 and they still have that same gas in it today, which was my case. And I think it was like 92 that that, or 90, yeah, 1992 when that gas was put in. So you have those issues. But let's start off with a car. So you get a race car, Ray, with a logbook, ABCD sanctioning body. You know, what do you do? I just rolled it off my trailer. You know, basically, I think you get our rule book, right? And kind of go over just like you would tech it. Yep. Uh, hopefully you've done some of this before you purchase it and spent your good money on something that, you know, may not be worth what you paid for it. Um, you need to be very careful. Um, we've run across some very bad, bad builds in the, in the past. Um, nothing horrible, but sometimes you throw good money out to bad and trying to repair something that never was right to start off with. And you just end up, you know, just patching over something that's just a problem. When you start talking about roll cages and safety stuff, you know, that's not something you want to scrimp on. Well, Ray, you know, this car I'm selling you, it, it had a pro-built cage. Is that a good, is that a, is that a selling point for you that it was professionally built? It should be. And, um, I don't want to say, well, let's just say. Want me to show a picture? Pros and other guys, maybe not so pro. Um, Do you want me to show you a picture? People shortcut stuff this day and time, which I mean, I guess they always have. Do you, want, do you want me to show a picture? You can show some pictures. I bought a car myself that was uh, bought, and uh, the character was supposed to be a pro cage builder, and it looked really good looking at it. And we're looking, I'm looking at all three pictures. Yeah. I put, I put all three pictures up on the screen that you sent me. And Uh, basically it's the car had, it was a, what was it? A a Chevy Monza. It is a Chevy Monza. Or Opal Monza as we like to call it. So the Chevy Monza. Yeah. The Chevy Monza. The true Monza, the true spider. It's a, uh, you know, Monza spider. But it had, but it had a roof on it. Yes. Had a roof on it. And sitting in the car, I thought it, you know, it was like I said, it was very, what I thought well-built car and I wanted it. I had to have it and I got it and then I get to sitting in it and I'm like, mm, why is that there? Why is this here? And that should be over there. The main hoop was just almost over the driver's head. It was like right here. I'm like, well, if they cut that brace out, they can move it over here where it should be. So I got it in my mind. That's what I was going to do. I was going to, Cut the cage out and change it and make it the way I wanted because I just did not like that bar going over top of my head. 
and I had to cut the top off the car to do it. So I cut the top off, and lo and behold, it's not welded up anyway. Those little so sections up there. I did get into doing it. Well, it looks and like it was welded up until they couldn't reach it with their gun. Yeah, and that's a trick people, you know, you either drop the cage through the floor a little bit and put it back up on pedestals. I mean, there's a couple of different ways to do it. And cutting the top off the car to build it is not beyond the realm of stuff to do. It's uh, it's a little harder, but in the end, it makes it kind of easier. So one of the Ooh. things we did on our MR2 was to just take a six-inch you know, hole saw and just drill through the top of the roof. And that gave us room to, to uh, weld up those the top of that cage because I I had that issue I couldn't reach it thought eh, you know, it's it's mostly welded and of course we got to the first lemons event and actually lemons caught it, <laughs> so I just drilled the holes through the top and we welded up the top and just I tack welded and taped over the the hole you know I tack welded the hole I cut out, um, well yeah. I'm- I don't have fingers and toes enough to count how many cars we've had to have guys weld their cages up through the years. And I know we don't see everything and don't catch everything, but I've caught some, uh, you know, some cars that had some substantial race wins, championships and other things in other series. Cages never have been welded up. What the heck? I was kind of like shocked, you know, all our techs were. And like I said, I know we missed stuff too, but, you know, some people have a program where they have other shops, you know, what's supposed to be certified shops, look at them. And there you go again to some of your pros. You got some guys that are really good. You got some guys that hell aren't. So, but anyhow, just check and make sure your welds are very good and up. I've got to go take care of a hound for just about a minute. We can't hear him. You can't hear him? No, we can't hear him. Well, he, she is or she talking yeah. to me. <laughs> All right, I, I'll keep on going. Then yeah. she'll be down here talking yeah, we, to me. Seriously, it's it's the noise canceling works. So okay, so we we you know the one of the ways is to cut the roof off or cut access holes. Um, how do I go about inspecting those areas before I start tearing my car apart? <sighs> well. It's right tight up in there. It is, but most of the time, if you run your finger over top the the cage, just run it right around where it's welded. We all do it. We also have mag, uh, mirrors that we can put up in there. You can take your cell phone and stick up there and take a picture, mm-hmm. or you can you know have your camera action on your phone and you can stick it up there and actually look at the screen and you know you can see it. Uh, like I said, it's not easy, but it's not like it's impossible. We catch right. them all the time, so. Uh, you know, you can't be rocket science. Right. All right. So then you either have that fixed, take it to a shop and have it fixed. Not that hard. I used a stick welder at one on one car. I couldn't reach around to that area. So I got a stick welder, bent the rod over, and uh, that's how I finished welding, and it worked fine. Um, and I just used one of those real cheap Harbor Freight 110 stick welders, and it did the job. You know, it's not like we're welding half-inch steel. So... Um, all right, so roll cage. That's a really important yeah. champ car. Um, it is a cage design too. Um I have a pretty good relationship with a couple of car, car builders. So I used to bend cages and stuff back up in the day and uh stock car stuff. And uh we do have a good relationship with Jimmy at Roll Cage Components. He's a very smart and fair guy. 
Um, I mean, I hear I hear guys spending seven, eight thousand dollars to have cages put in their cars and stuff. Sometimes more than that. I mean, ooh, I don't know, that's man. A lot of money. Do you think that's crazy? Because I think that's a little crazy. I think it's high. I mean, I know, uh, you know, he he does it for way less than that, you know, and sends kits out, you know, and it's just, you know, I, I would think three grand would put a cage in a, a good cage in the back of most any car, you know, if you hunt around and find somebody decent. But then again, it's something you don't want to scrimp on. Right. Um, design cage design also is something and uh <clears throat> You had a, a a member, you know, contact you over a cage, and then you had him call me, and uh, I saw a few things on the cage that he did not tell you. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of it. course. And, and we recommended him to carry it to uh, have it looked at, and then he calls me up with this, you know, shows me some pictures of the way the door bars are put in this thing, and it's just. Uh, never seen nothing like it. I don't know why people try to improve on, uh, you know, standard stuff, but it, it just, he ended up cutting it all out and starting all over again. It's just, it was just, like I say throwing good money out the bad is not, is not, uh, what you needed to be doing. So, all right, let me finish this, uh, little comment. Um, now I, I spent. I buy my material from roll cage components and I just bend my own cage up and weld it. And I know there's a lot of guys out there. That's not something they can do. Um, and maybe not something they should try the first time, but it's, it's not that difficult to learn how to weld, um, and do it properly, but it does take a little bit of time well, and, it is. and good equipment and good, that good equipment it, really helps. It, it's, it's more than, you know, it's enduring some pain and all too. You know, welding is just, you know, if you're going to start building cars, I mean, it, it, it's probably not something that home, you know, your do-it-yourself should take on. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, it can be done, but. Um, and if you're you doing know, it in a house garage that has air conditioning that intermingles with your house, it's probably not something your wife wants either or your better half of all that welding smell and fumes going into the house with the kids and. It's, it's not a good yeah, thing. And I know this I from, say, from experience. Um, you know, I think the majority of our people probably get cages put in. I wouldn't, I don't think they do a whole lot of that work to sell. I yeah. mean, we do have some guys that do, I know. All right. So, majority, all right. So cages, feet, you got to make sure you have so many square inches with Champ Car. Read the rule book well about the cages. You don't need to have the million bar cage like Huggins put in the rule book. This year, that's sort of the maximum amount, you know, safety cell. It's a little crazy in that rule book. Kind of might confuse people. I wish you wouldn't have discussed that. Oh, I'm sorry. But, you know, the basic cage is in there, and then you can add on. Anything within the within the box, you can add as many as you want. Anything around a driver, we yep. really, really don't care about anything between the A and B pillar. Just go for it. Whatever you want to do to make your guy safe, guy or gal safe in there. Put it on. You got to have plate the bars. You want to do whatever you want to do. And you got to have it on properly sized feet, you know, pads, so that uh, if you do get upside down, bouncing, you know, rolling like those NASCAR guys were doing this past weekend, um, that the the posts aren't going to poke through the floorboard, which we saw I don't know fifteen years ago 
Remember that Mustang sitting upside oh, yeah. down and the four posts sticking up through the floor? <clears throat> so, you and know. I don't want to promote this or anything, but we've had several cars roll in our series. Oh, yeah. Even the speeds we do. Last year at Thompson. We can and, talk about it. It's not a big deal, but it happens. Yeah, it's I mean, going to, it happens. And it can happen quick and be violent and roll multiple times, six, seven times. You know, we've seen that in some slow corners when one just hits a rut right and it hooks and spins side over side. And here you go. And well, it happened to um, the red line guys, or not red line. Yeah, it happened um, to Bimmerall. You know, that, that uh, yellow, that real pretty yellow. Uh, M3, that EC car out at Willow Oh, Spring. yeah, that's right. Yeah, The guy flipped that thing, what, six, seven times? Yep. I was All trying to... Stuff I, ran I, off the track, hooked a rut. I was trying to find the pictures of that because that had... That was that would have been a good segue into what kind of glass it has in it because he had told us it was Lexan. It's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah. And after he rolled it, we found out, nope, that was plexiglass because there were shards everywhere and... Yeah, it was. Plexiglass is some dangerous stuff, you know, and uh, you don't want it anywhere around a race car. And I think I got pictures of that. I don't yeah. know if I can send them to you or not. The um, So let's move on to the next one. So you have your, your safety cage, you know, sorted out. Obviously, you're going to go through your seat belts because it's race ready, remember. So the guy probably gave you out-of-date seat belts. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, out-of-date seat belts. So you need to make sure your seat belts are in date, that they rotate on the, um, you know, the, the lap belts rotate around. Um, they're not bolted directly to the body and can't move. Um, you know, just the basic stuff. And that's covered in the rule book. The, the next thing that I had a problem with, with the GT was the fuel cell. I'd never run a fuel cell before. So this is, pictures of the actual fuel cell that were in my car. Now, let me give you a little explanation of what you're looking at here. Opal GT, the builder had mounted a horizontal mounted fuel cell, exactly like it's pictured in this picture, but up and down. So he had mounted it vertical. He had plugged this, you know, that, that big opening right there is normally where you feel, you know, where your fuel fill is and your pickup and everything. He had plugged that and put a rubber gasket on the inside so it was sealing. And then at the top, he stuck, he made another hole, drilled a hole through it, and then just sliced and diced the hole for the, uh, right, you can see the, the rubber there into the bladder. And that um, basically slowed the fuel. If you got upside down and you lost your cap or your fuel fill, um, that would just slow down the fuel pouring out of the cell. I don't think it would have slowed it down that much, but it wasn't good. That also, I believe, the way he modified it took away the FIA and SFI certifications of that fuel cell. So that probably wasn't good, and that's why it's not in my car anymore. Um, the other thing was is that the, the, the car, I didn't know the car had set for so long. I knew it set for a bit, but I didn't know it pretty much set from like 1992. It was built in the early late 80s, early 90s, set from 92 until you know, it probably set for 20 years. So it had fuel cell foam in it. And what's that foam used for, Ray, inside the fuel cell? It's supposed to keep the slosh down a little bit, you know, um, keep your gas from moving from one side to the other, just slows it down to keep it from 
Also, fumes, fumes and stuff day. like that keeps the fumes from the gas igniting or something. But mm, no, it's just to keep the slosh down. So all that foam was in there, and it looked pristine until I touched it, and that's when it turned to dust. Just just Gooey barely dust. touching it. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. And the worst part was is that the fuel line from the pickup all the way to the carburetor was filled with this yellow residue. And, yeah, that was one of the reasons we couldn't drive. But, you know, race ready, but it wasn't. So inspect your fuel because we've seen this many, many times where guys get to the uh, track and they're um, – they go out for a few laps and they come back in and their fuel filters are filled with gunk, you know, cause when you're, when you're dry or at home, Oh, this is another thing on our, our MR2 that we learned when we first raced the MR2, or when we first built it, I inspected the fuel tank we ran a stock fuel tank in that car down the middle of the car. And I looked down in it and it looked all shiny and new. Um, we got the car done, filled it up with fuel, put it on the trailer and drove it to Daytona. That sloshing around didn't know it, but there was either a lot of mud and gunk in the front of the tank or maybe in the back of the tank that I could not see. And that fuel sloshing around pretty much cleaned it out or sort of cleaned it out and all the rust in it. And what happened was it clogged every filter in that car. And I had multiple filters just in case things would go wrong. But yeah, it took us, it took me three races. Again, I'm not a mechanic i'm not a race car builder but i this was my first or my third build our first two were or first three were uh lemons cars so i don't really count those as real race cars but this was sort of my first race car build from scratch and it um it taught me a lot like you know when you find dirt in that tank you need to change every filter in that car because we ran three races not with you know really lean and it come to find out it was the filters. But you need to check that kind of stuff out before you even get to the track. The other thing, part of the fuel system, now a lot of guys will come to the track with their fuel, their stock fuel fills, you know, all the rubber that was from 1992. I'm going to show you a hose. Um, this car is a Miata. It caught on fire at Thompson. You guys may have heard about this. It was a pretty bad fire. The driver did get hurt. Um, it was caused by a plugged vent and the exhaust system fell off the car or broke or something. I, I forget exactly what happened with the exhaust system, but it heated up the fuel tank enough to where the fuel was boiling and had nowhere to go. The vent was plugged or blocked or something. And this little, you can see that, uh, elbow there that, you know, goes from the fuel fill down into the tank that blew out from the pressure. Now I'm going to show you a two inch hose too. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, it was old original to the car. And I'm going to show you another one. This is a Toyota MR2 fuel fill for a Mark, a Mark one. And this was the one we were preparing for Sebring, the first champ car race at Sebring on the club course. I'm sorry. Uh, the VIR 24, the first VIR 24 on the East Coast on South Course. 
I built the car. We had it up on jack stands, ready to load it on the trailer. 24 hours before we're supposed to go, I come out in the morning, and I look at the car, and I was like, did it rain last night? And I'm like, no. Why, why is all this water under the car? And we had filled the car up, and it wasn't water. It was fuel. And that fuel had basically, that pipe there had basically burst with the fuel just sitting in it from the head pressure. So we ended up uh, having to replace that. But it was so hard, you know, from these new fuels. And this was back in 2011. And the fuels nowadays just eat away these old rubber parts not designed for today's fuel. And they have so many more chemicals in it that deteriorate that rubber, make it really hard and, and brittle. And that's basically what happened. It just broke. Now, if that had happened during a race, that would not have been pretty because I was shooting flames out of the back of that car. And uh, they're kind of in it. The, the fuel fill on that is right next to the uh, exhaust manifold on the four-cylinder uh, MR2s. So you, you have those issues. But we've seen that happen on other cars as well. Um, everything yeah. is, is great when they're in the shop. They get out to the racetrack. Things start vibrating around. Things happen, and these hoses start cracking. So what do you do? You replace it with a new one, right? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, we've had, uh, we've had a guy have a fuel leak before, and up the end of the hose is cracked. Uh, cut it off and put it back on there. Nah, wait a minute. Let's go get a new hose. If it cracked there, it's going to crack here. Oh, no, it'll be all right. Mm, no, it won't. Yeah. <laughs> that was another little me out of the kind of so, and toast a little yeah, bit. And those, and like I said, those get brittle. Those hoses get brittle, and it's always best to replace them. Um, you can do that basically with the, hey, you got a guest. <laughs> I told you she was going to do this. Yeah, that's all right. So you have um, you have a lot of hoses on the car that should be replaced even though they may look good. I was watching a teardown of an LT1. There's a YouTuber out there that does engine teardowns to figure out what happened to the engine. And he just barely touched one of the PCV hoses, and boom, it just broke right in half from the heat um, and age. Yeah, plastic and rubber, uh, you know, depends on how they're made, what quality they were to start off with, the age, the heat. They just turn to dust. Steel rust with plastic, you know, it just turns back to powder sometimes. All right. So you bought a new car from a guy, race ready, fuel. Um, you should do the same thing with the radiator, maybe flush it, because you don't know how long that radiator sat there or what kind of antifreeze it had in it, if it had any, which means that if it didn't have any and you live in an area that freezes like Texas, because we know how cold Texas can get, right? They got snow a couple of years ago in like sub-zero temperatures. Who puts antifreeze in their cars down there, right? So maybe you check the freeze plugs. What are freeze plugs, Ray Frank? Actually, they're casting plugs. They're not actually freeze plugs. They're uh, these things when they cast them, they use a sand mold, and those holes are made when they bring them out to cast and they cool. That's how the sand, they get the sand out of the block. 
And then they put those plugs in there and they call Welsh plugs or freeze plugs. And they will push out, but it also will crack the block on the other side where the freeze plug isn't. <laughs> yeah. So they're not really uh, designed to keep engines safe in freezing temperatures. That's what your antifreeze does. Right. Um, another thing about buying a used race car. Has that thing been wrecked before? Oh, yeah. You know, what kind of shape is our suspension in our chassis? We've come to find that some of these older cars that we've been racing and love so much, ooh, they start getting this thing called fatigue. And stuff starts breaking that you're just like, man, how in the world did that happen? Well, who knows <laughs> what that car has been through the first 30 years of its life, whose particular mom drove through that pothole going to the mall. Same, hit, hitting the same pothole every time she went there too. Yep, parking hit that same curb, but you know that your chassis, making sure it's not rusted. I mean, it's just so much stuff. Like buying a, a car to drive on the street, you know, and it's not beyond. Hey, go get you a mechanic out, a racing buddy, or something to go look at it with you. Like I said, a lot of this stuff can be. You need to look at it before you pay spend that money because you know racing expensive and wasting dollars is not good. So you have guys that, you know, show up with cash in hand that they, they see their dream car that they've wanted to race since high school. And, and, you know, they're, they're just, there it is. It looks pretty good paint job on it, but it's been sitting in the grass for 20 years. And, you know, you can see where the tires were, you know, he may have moved the car, but the tires were flat for years and years and years, but he pumped them up a bit and they're ready to go. And, you know, you don't realize how sometimes how much this stuff is going to cost you later on to get it track ready yourself. Yeah. And like we're endurance racing, endurance hours and hours, eight hours, 12. We got a 12 hour coming up here at VIR. It's 12 hours of racing. You know, okay. You bought a used race car, you know, you got to put in burns in it. You got to upkeep, you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. It's good maintenance records. And a good thorough and a well-built car and a team that keeps up with stuff and good records and all that stuff. If you get that with the car, that's a bonus because, you know, a lot of our cars have swapped engines and it's this piece and that piece. And if the guy doesn't have a record of what actual transmission he has actually put in this thing, then you don't know what to go get to put back in it to fix it. Yeah. So that can be a problem. And then, like I say, you got your drive line, your rear end, your gearing, your transmission, your engine. How healthy is all that stuff? If a guy's got receipts where it's just been rebuilt, it's just been bought, that's great. That's worth the money. If he doesn't have it, so you know. there's a question here. Uh, Fred Fred Wolf, yeah, uh, you know, track manager and president, <laughs> boss in charge you, at, at Nelson you, Ledges. You think anybody on this channel doesn't know who Fred Wolf I is? No, maybe they don't. But uh, he asked, "Do ethanol fuels deteriorate fuel cell bladders quicker than straight?" straight pump gas or straight uh, gas fuel. I don't well, think they do straight gas fuel unless it's um, re actual race fuel nowadays. I think that ethanol free stuff still has chemicals in it. It's just not ethanol. I don't well, think. Well, I'd say it's just different combinations of chemicals. You know, stuff, a lot of this older stuff wasn't, you know, made when they're putting all these ethanols and these different chemicals in it. Cause I mean, gas used to last. Yeah. It doesn't last anymore. No. You put it in the can and, uh, Hell, my lawnmower when I you know, started, cause I just used pump gas. Cause that's basically all we have out here. Um, 
but you know, come springtime, I'll I'll go drive that thing, and it's pinging like crazy for the first uh, the first tank. <laughs> so, you know, the grass is that deep normally. That's why it's pinging. But all right, so and all right, so your um your fuel suspension components, making sure they're up to date or up up, you know, they can take the pounding. They look fairly decent. Um, you can take your race car to a regular inspection shop and have them look it over, right? I guess. I mean, if you, we have a lot of, yeah, we have a lot of guys that are not mechanics and that's why they would buy a used race car or one that's race ready is you can take it to a, you know, to a shop and they'll let you know what's good and bad on it. Yeah. And I mean, there's several good, there's deals out there. You know, you're not going to build a race car and sell it for more than you have in it. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah she can be a race winner and a prize and everything and you might come out but just a regular racing car you're not gonna get recoup your whole investment so if you can uh you will save some money but like i say you just got to be careful with your purchase just like buying a car you're gonna drive on the street you know the lemons and well i don't want to say lemons and be bad because i like the lemon series but you like cars and you have trouble with. Yeah. You know, they're right there. They're good and bad and all makes. All right. So you get, you, you know, you, you find a car again. And so I just had this thought, what was it? Ethanol free, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, taking it to a shop. I forgot what I was going to say, Ray, you're not helping me. Well, you know, yeah, that's all right. I don't know where you were going, Bill. I don't, I don't know. Tell me where you know. started. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. So I show up, a lot of money in my hand. I'm ready to buy a car and um, take it to a shop, have them look at it, inspect the fuel system. You know, the body is okay. Uh, it doesn't look all that beat up. You know, panels don't look like they've all been taken off and new stuff put back on to hide things. Um, tires, that's where it was, tires. So the guys give me a ton of tires, you know, uh, should I worry about the date on those tires or how old they are? You know, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. You don't run old tires, you know, especially not racing and wanting performance and, and putting your life on the line was, uh, you know, some of this date coded older, what, four or five years old. I, I mean, think they same, say the max, maximum is 10 years. Cause I've been looking at this for, for us champ car, 10 years is the maximum. Anything older than 10 years do not even use. Yeah, but it's I think just it's like trailer cars. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter how good they look. Yeah, you just look at the date on them. Oh, brakes. So, car's been sitting for a few years. Haven't raced it. It's got a, you can usually tell by the last tech sticker it has, either the state inspection sticker, if you have those in your state, or the tech sticker itself. Um, so, that tech sticker shows uh, the last time it was teched by Champ Car was 2016. Okay. Chump Car. So 2016, it's been sitting for a long time. That those brake fluid probably has absorbed a lot of water in the air somewhere, and uh, not just your fluid, your rubber hoses. Yep. You know, it's another thing. Your bushings and stuff. You know, it's it's not brake system, but it is suspension. You know, it's just one thing leads to another. You know, it's just yeah. But um, that should be one of the things you you replace. Now, one thing we did not do is when we bought one of our first MR2s, the first Nelson ledges 24 hour with lemons um 
it was a second race on that car. We failed to completely bleed and drain out the fluid that was in the clutch lines, the brake fluid. And I went out in my stint, and I want to say it was maybe 20 minutes in, I had no clutch. And I was furious because I just I blew up the car. No, it was just basically it just it would not work after that. We drained the fluid and put new stuff in, and it worked just fine. But it's one of those things, again, that you just – there's a huge list of things you need to do in a race car, and we were still learning back then in 2010, 2009, 2010. And that was one of them. Make sure the clean fluid everywhere, not just the brakes, but clutch, you know, power steering – if you have that. Um, and another thing is nut and bolt in the car. You oh, know yeah. I mean, you get familiar with every bolt. I mean, you think I'm kidding. Yeah. You got to make sure everything's tight and right, even your steering column. Just, <laughs> yeah, we would start at the back and work our oh, way yeah. forward. And, yeah. you know, at, when the car's before the car goes on the tra- trailer, nut and bolt it. And then sometimes, and, you know, you even do when you get to, back to the track. When you get to the track, you do it. And that was something I was impressed with with Riley when they got that GT3 or the whatever they were running, the uh, Mercedes, basically every nut and bolt gone through again, every all the alignment gone through again at the track. Even though it was all done in the shop, it was done again at the track because things change in the trailer, I guess. Well, they do bounce around. And of course, some drivers take them over them curbs and stuff all the time. That yeah. doesn't do anything to them either. So, and then do you write down all these things you do, or do you just uh, yes. keep it up? I mean, here? I have to nowadays. <laughs> Back in my sharper days, but uh, yeah, it's good to, hey, having a journal, like I say, about the different parts, you know, say, okay, you have a, a 90 Miata, but you're putting a 99 transmission in it. You know, a couple of subtle differences. Yeah, they both will fit, but there are certain the shifters different. This is different. You need to note that this is you're using a 99 transmission. So you, the next guy that buys the car goes, oh, yeah, buys the right thing, buys the other one, and the shifter won't fit in there. Well, this won't work because it's just a little bit different. So you need to keep a good journal of all the modifications you do on the car. And it can get lengthy. One of the yeah. things we did is it was difficult to buy new bolts for the, the Japanese stuff. I mean, you could go to the dealership, but they would just charge you an arm and a leg for all that. So I ended up buying, this was during the, um, you know, the meltdown of the economy and Chevy dealerships were closing down everywhere. And I noticed that a lot of uh, time cert kits, which are, you know, re- they, they allow you to rethread an aluminum block. So time cert kits for LSs and North Stars and all that were just being dumped on eBay. So I was buying a whole bunch of those. And then I, you know, I just had them sitting down in my shop. So when it came time to build the V6 MR2, I'm going through nuts and bolts, and these things are just wore out. And bolts do wear out. When they, lo- when they get all rounded up on the, on, the, on the cutting edge of the thread, they're done. Um, and there's a lot of bolts you only want to use once. So I ended up time certing the whole block to fit bolts that were available through Lowe's. I could buy all brand new bolts for fairly inexpensive. And then I ended up finding some places online where I could buy the grade eight versions that are coded and, and for really cheap in bulk. And that's kind of how we did the car up. We rechanged all the threads and we do have a list of all that, that we changed. It kind of sucked though, when we would have to go get a new, 
a new transmission case or something. And then I'd have to redo all that, you know, spend time doing that um, to match what we'd done. But ultimately it worked out pretty well. Yep. Every time you modify something, you have to modify everything that follows. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's right. And that's why you have that's... multiple cases, you know, guys show up with a car and no spares. Well, we'll just go to a junkyard. Well, you know, it's just wasting time, man. Take, you know, you're going to need a transmission. You know, you know, you might need an engine. So uh, just take those. And anytime we'd go to a race far, far away, we'd always have a spare engine with us. Damn. <laughs> All right. So you got. It's the- like having a 16 year old girlfriend. Um, just will not leave me alone. So this car passed 20, you know, 2019 Champ Car Tech. Do you think uh, maybe. Somewhere along the line, a less scrupulous person would put change out the good fuel or a fire bottle and put an older one in and not tell you about it because you got a wad of money in your hand. So that's yeah, kind of like so you got to check everything. You know, this day and time, you've you got to check everything. Yeah, whether you buy it on the internet, one word means all the difference in the world. Yeah. And you never know that 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 uh, ex-wife trying to sell all your stuff or trying to get rid of it, and you you have ten minutes to get rid of your stuff before she gets the money for it, and uh, <laughs> you'll do anything to get rid of that car. Um, it's I mean, like I said, there are deals out there. Don't be leery of not buying. You know, saying I, I've got to build my own car because you can get a decent car, come race with it, have some fun learn some stuff with it and like I said, get more serious and then you can, you know, build what you want, what you think your best idea of the fastest car you can build is. All right. So you, you, you've done that. You have questions. Where do you go for your questions, man? I don't know. I just bought this Honda. Don't know nothing about Hondas, but I want to go racing. I got some buddies. What do we, where do we start? How do we, how do we do this? Well, you go to champcar.org and just follow the program. You got everything laid out pretty good. And of course, you know, you got to find your Honda guys and those stuff, your Honda forums. You kind of got to get into everything. You know, when I started doing this, I was a dinosaur and swore I'd never use the internet for anything. <laughs> and then I had to find, uh, I had to learn something about Nissans and find a Nissan parts because we had a little 240SX. And next thing I know, huh? I got to find me a Nissan guru. So I found one and he hooked us up with some really good parts and we built a very competitive little car and I had a ball with it. And uh, it's been a pretty good while ago. But I just took you out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, we'll come back. We're going to do a, a tech tip. Or did you have anything else to add there, Ray? I'm not very good at well, this. Well, you know, your wiring, that. you know, you always look at that. You know, if it looks like. <laughs> it looks like Bill's wiring. <laughs> yeah, if it looks like a nightmare, it probably is. Uh, you know, it's, like I say, it's just an awful lot to it. But it's the same thing as buying a car. You're, going, you're planning on you and your wife driving to work every day. You know, you've got to, you know, there's plenty of junk out there that you can purchase and waste your money on. But uh, sometimes it's, you know, they are deals. Just look and find them. There's plenty of people to help. You can get on uh, our website. I know all our members. People will chime in and you can send us pictures. 
Um, I don't judge anything solidly off of a picture, but I can definitely tell if it's a nightmare and something bad staring at you. Um, but at least we'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, we do our best. Uh, we try to keep our members as safe as we can, and we want to have fun. Um, this, this racing thing, it's, uh, it's a boatload of fun when it's done right. And but why are you so mean on me on my dash bar? And why are you so mean on me at, you know, covering this and plugging that hole? Well, should I show them the picture of that, uh, that fuel, that fuel fill again? We, we see a lot of stuff. Bill. Like I say, we, we've seen these cars roll over multiple times. We've seen these cars hit walls. We've seen stuff come loose and fly around in the car. We pretty well know a trim screw does not hold a fire bottle in or a cool suit or a battery. Or a battery and uh, these little nylon zips or whatever, uh, you know, a strap over a marine battery box does not hold a 60 pound battery in when it hits a wall. Oh my God. Or rolls. That was a yeah. wild one. Gingerman, when that bat, when that yes, guy went I mean, rolling we through the field. Videos of these things and stuff flying around in the car. And, you know, we've got to try to fix it. It missed the driver by inches, if that. I mean, it was this much. And it, yeah. the only thing that held it from hitting him was the, the uh, big gauge wire that he had. And then it wedged itself between the A pillar, yeah. B pillar, and the cage, and uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. I, I remember I that, that cool suit hitting the dashboard of that Mustang, Mustang. at Daytona yeah. when you hit the wall. Yep, that was an eye opener. Yeah. yeah, and those things. And and there was one at a, it was a Trans Am race at uh, Mid Ohio where he went roll you know went rolling through the uh, China Beach, the sand, and his cool shirt box went flying everywhere and ended up the triangle net that they have there protected the driver from getting hit by that. That was, that was pretty crazy. Cause that thing yeah. just rolling everywhere through there. Um, so that one, that one at Daytona hit the wall. It was just like a direct boom, boom. straight into that. It was a uh, yeah. serious business. Um, belts. We just learned a lot over. I'll take this last race at Atlanta. It was a particular car that came in there, and I grabbed a hold to the driver's seat, and this thing is about ready to fall through the floor, fall out. It's just like, hey, come on, guys. We've got to do something here. We've got to fix this. And they are not really mechanically inclined or whatever, and they, they got some help, and they got it fixed. And I go look at their battery, and it's about to fall out of the car. And I'm like, hey, man, there's no way this is going to stay in here. You've got to get this thing tied down, even though it was in the trunk. It was still getting ready to flop over and lay in the quarter pound. So you're going to burn your car up here. You need to fix this. And I know without those two, two or three things fixed, they would have been broke down, seat, like I say, unsafe stuff not going right. They would have not, they ended up finishing the race and finishing very well. But if those thing, issues would not have been addressed, there's no way in the world a car would have finished. So, I mean, we're here to help. I'm not here to, we don't try to bust people wide open about silly stuff. But, I mean, if your window net is like here and you can stick your whole hand all out, what do you think happens when that car starts rolling? And, and these things, when they start going, they go. And you can't hold your, you know, you try to Danica up all you can. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, you if know, you did you watch a NASCAR race this weekend? A lot of them were doing that now, but oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, I've had my thumbs rung up, son. I'm telling you, that, that's no joke. You know, it, it does your wrist and I mean, it, it hurts you bad. Yeah, and that yeah, they you know, said when it all was, hope is lost. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And they they said that it was due to the uh, the rack and pinion now instead of the the steering box. So that uh, yeah, I, it's just more direct. Yeah, it, it actually is. Um, but yeah, and, and and we're like this. You know, there's, there's folks out there that said Champ Cars too too or what uh, too hard on the rules when it comes to building these cars, but. Almost all of you guys are not professional racers. You're not going Monday morning and going to a race shop or whatever. You're going to work, and we want you going back to work and earning money for your family and doing whatever, but we want you going back in one piece and safe, and we have cars out there that are, you know, like the the LTD, you know, the 72 LTD, the Enterprise. and uh, 71, maybe. 71, sorry. Sorry, yeah. 71 LTD with uh, on the track right beside or sometimes almost on top of a uh, Miata, as we saw in the banking with the, you know, Enterprise sitting up there. And it looked like you you could fit that Miata into the back of the trunk of that Ford. So, or Mercury. It doesn't look like it. You can. Oh, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. There's, there's no, no illusion here. Yeah. It will yeah. fit. Yeah. <laughs> it will shift. <laughs> So you have that kind of stuff. So it's and we want to we want to make it as safe as as possible for you guys. And like our fearless leader once said, um, our ex fearless leader once said, was the reason we do this stuff is because something has happened before that caused us to do this. So and we go back to that that picture of the fuel cell. Sorry, of the uh, not the fuel cell, but the splayed out hose. Um, they had taken away all of their firewalls. And so when that splayed out, they had a full tank of fuel. That fuel went sloshing forward into the car and basically soaked him to the to the to the underwear and then ignited. So things like that we don't want happening to you. So And he has recovered too, by the yes, way. He it was has. A long road for yeah. him, but he he is. Yeah, he lives down it. he lives uh just north, a couple of counties up. Answered prayers, everybody, because yep. uh, oh yeah, it was bad. That yeah. was big. Yep, and I think a, a lot of his help was he was ex-military army and had been trained a lot in uh, overseas and dealt with some pretty intense situations. And having that cool sense not to panic saved him. And uh, um, that's something too. Maybe one day we'll we'll sit here and we'll bring in the lifeline guys and. We'll talk to them about some fire systems and, and bring another you on as well. Came, another thing that came out of that was getting rid of this pool noodle stuff. Everybody used to think oh, it was yeah. cool putting all in their roll bars. And uh, that stuff, just like napalm or whatever, and that was he got his main injury was when he exited the car. His legs smushed up against this burning, you know, rubber, pool, yeah. pool, napalm, whatever, and it melted right to his fire suit. And then burns. So, uh, we got rid of that now. I have the old SFI, you know, closed foam over top of your head. That's where that came from. Yeah. We learned stuff. And, you know. And maybe it's something that maybe other series don't have that we're seeing. And it's funny how some of the other series have come over to our side, too. So, you know. Oh, absolutely. They've uh, followed our full fuel bulkheading rules, which – I said, I come from NASCAR and I came over here and I was seeing these fuel cells in the driving compartments and fuel pumps and lines and it, 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 it freaked me out. I was not liking it at all. And so when Mike hired me, I was part of the deal. 
we won't get these gas gas separated and we did in uh, NASA and I mean the other couple that now in all their series they uh, everything's bulkheaded away. Yep. So um which is good. Yeah, it's a good thing. Again, it's and, and, and I think too that other series, and I'm not gonna name any names because there's no need, but there's other series that they may not do the tech themselves. They may outsource it or maybe you go to a local a local uh club inspector and he inspects it and maybe every region may have a slightly different way of doing it because everybody's different. Um, we're kind of lucky. We have a set crew and that's who inspects our cars. Every one of them all the time for the past few years. Yeah. It's uh, it's been a learning process. And like I said, Hey, we're not perfect, buddy. Don't get me wrong here. We're not hiring better than anybody else. It's just, I say we're a club and yeah, we have to survive and we want people to have a good time and we want you to have fun and we want to aggravate you over not having your seat belts right, but guess what? <laughs> you kind of need your seat belts right. You right. know, you, your stuff needs to work. That that lap belt, that big long slot where that webbing goes, that thing needs to move. Okay, you hit the wall this way, your belts ooh like this. Okay, now we come off the wall, the car's spinning around, everything's backed up. You need your shoulder belts retained, else they're gonna fly all off your hands and. Oh, boom, I hit another car, hit me head on. Oops, now I'm rolling over. And, you know, it's got to keep you from hitting the roof. So now your lap belts are distressed just like this. And with that thing being able to move, the belt, the webbing is kept straight across that that wide band because, right. you know, it's stronger when it's laid out. But and, and that's why we want stuff like, oh, it's actually not us. It's the manufacturers. We want everything done per manufacturer's specs. And one of the things that I learned, and this goes back to our MR2 crash at the 24 years ago, was that when we drove, we had the roll cage like right here. So your helmet's like sitting right up against this cage. And I ended up hitting a wall and my head, bam, hit the cage, ended up cracking my head and got a brain bleed and... I've got talked about this way too much over the years, but I got a brain bleed and a cracked helmet and um, con- massive concussion. And I was a totally different guy. Everybody liked me then. It's weird, but totally different guy. And, uh, <laughs> but I witnessed that. <laughs> I, yeah. So it was, um, it, it opened my eyes literally um, that we needed to move our drivers away from that roll bar and get a containment seat and make sure that their head did not hit stuff. And it's things like that. I never really thought about. I remember sitting there in the car, like, yeah, okay, this kind of sucks, but in left, you know, in right hand or left hand turn or right hand turns, it's, I have something to rest my head against. Not thinking that one day I'm going to hit something and it's, uh, it's going to crack my helmet and crack my head. So, um, Again, I probably should have thought about that kind of stuff, but I don't know. I, I work on experience sometimes, and that was one of the things I learned by experience. Move everybody's ahead away from it. If it takes me hammering in the tunnel to move my seat over just an inch and lowering it an inch and a half, that was huge, especially for an my in, An, an inch of more clearance is big. Yeah. And, you know, move your seat as far to the in, interior, far to the center of the car as you can. You know, you want to get as far away as the bars. You want your bars coming out. There's so many cars these guys are still 
we're still running across guys just put straight bars right down the door, right up against the yeah. seat. And yeah, they're legal. <laughs> so, I w- but you know, when something hits you in the door, it's coming in because there's no outward of the bar to compress. It's just common sense stuff. Well, I, mean, I had an issue with driving. So when we put that Opal GT together, I did no changes to the to the driver's side doors bars because they were within the rules. I had to add one over on the uh, passenger side. But on the driver's side door, I just kept them as is. They passed tech and the whole bit. Now I'm driving down the track, and I've got my arm down in a position. This is a tiny, tiny car. The Mini Coopers are freaking you know big suvs compared to this this opal gt and i'm driving down the road and i real or down, down the track at sebring and i realize my arm is between the roll bar and the door and it's one of those oh you know as i'm coming up i mean i wasn't going all that fast in that car but still somebody could have hit me and you know bent that door in right on my arm and what you know that would have not been fun um or I could have hit a wall and had my arm stuck in there. Not and, and when you're flopping around in the in the car, you know, you might not have control over where your bits go. And you know You don't. Yeah. So we've since moved those bars out flush with the door. So now it's nice and I mean you've got room, you got you can get in the car easy, you've got room, you got a lot of protection, and it keeps those bars away from the driver. So it's those yeah, little when they things. Start, when, they start, when they start rolling the centrifugal force, you may think you're all that, but you, you can't hold yeah. yourself together. Um, everything just flies out. That's what the window net is trying to keep your hands, arms in, you know, and, uh, you know, rolling side over side. But then, you you know, we've had a couple endos, and that's a whole nother thing yeah. of whoop, when you hit. <laughs> that's really testing your uh, your belts, your mountings for those belts. That's right, uh, and it's not the one the first hit yeah. and stretch. It's in second, the third. Yeah, yeah. I've never yeah. been involved in those. I have seen cars. We've taken pictures of cars that have done that, and you know, most of the guys that have kept the cars um, not as cut up have done well. The car did exactly what it was supposed to do, ex- absorbing that punishment um, and not applying it to the driver. Whereas, you know, some of the cars, they, they did take a beating on the inside of that car. The guys that lightened them up to the absolute lightest, there was nothing really there to take the punishment. So, Yeah, there's two ways to go there. Real stiff is too stiff is not good either. You know, if you put beams out there to the bumpers and just stiffen it up so much, like, oh, I'm going I'm to knock this guy away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But when you hit a fence, hit some wall, there's no collapse. It just goes straight to the, you know, something's got to give. And and in steel, if the steel doesn't give, then guess what? It's flesh and bone. Yeah. So it's yeah. going to transfer back to you. So I'd whole lot rather have the front of the car crumple up and absorb and take some of that hit. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's what they found with the new cup car. It's too stiff. So they've done several things to make it crush up a little bit better. Along with the soft walls, it seems to be working. Right. Well, and they're not really soft walls because I tapped one Boom. sideways and realized that. And that's actually, even though the, the head hit, the big crash I did hurt, that was the one that physically hurt when I hit the soft wall at Charlotte. 
that uh soft wall was not sharp was not soft so man. Well, i just got put in a concrete fence you here like five months ago you did tell us a little about that just from your race experience <clears throat> well like i said i'm a nascar randy round guy and I went to the uh, South Boston up here. It's about an hour away from the house and uh, to see Hermie and Elliot Sadler. Hermie's got a couple of modifieds that Bobby Labonte drives and Ryan Newman. And my buddy Johnny Cash drives it on whenever um, Ryan or, or uh, you know, Bobby can't drive, which Bobby usually does most all the time. Ryan sits out some and Johnny Cash will drive. Well, I got another buddy named Johnny Cash. I has two Johnny Cashes there. And I just went to hang out and I went around the corner and this other guy I know said, Hey man, I've been driving my late model. It was a vintage club there called the Southern ground founders, but they're not vintage cars. They are like a five-year-old late model with a 64 Chevelle body on it or something. And the rules are a little, uh, may not look at them motors too good. So a couple <laughs> of guys got some, some great stout stuff and this car was one of them. And, I walk by and this guy says, hey, man, how about we drive my car tonight? I'm like, really? You mean this double zero Sam Ard, Thomas Brothers Country Ham, 64 Chevelle sitting here with the, the, the one the last race it was in, this one? He said, yeah, boo. I said, no, no. <laughs> I'm your man, man. I got in that thing, and they practiced the modifieds and the uh, sportsmen's together. And I'm out there kind of running around behind some modifieds, and I realized very, very quickly that this car is bad to the bone. I mean, this bad boy's got motor extraordinaire. It's got it all. I'll send her down in the corner. It's like, yep, let's roll. Yeah, it was a good piece. So I'm like, hmm, this, this, this thing's ready. And there was another late model I saw coming out to pits. So I kind of wanted to run with him because he was supposed to be one of the other the other supposedly faster car. And um, I was kind of waiting on him, not going real slow, but a modified came up on the outside and his throttle hung up and he lost control and he came down into the side of me, turned me sideways and pushed me all the way down the straightaway across the start finish line, all the way into the first turn wall, which is a pretty long ways. Yeah. And I hit the wall head on. I didn't know what was going on. I was just going straight off the fourth corner. Next thing I know, I'm looking straight at the wall going, oh, Lord, help me. This is going to hurt. But I never hit the wall. And the wall just keeps going sideways. I'm just sliding sideways going, what? And I was looking at what I was going to hit, which was the first turn way the heck up there. So sure enough, I hit the wall head on. The car turns, and it just sticks right in the back. I mean, it just, like, Everything went crazy. Boom. And the whole car just stopped and all this noise and stuff. Like, what in the world? Well, I'm, I don't know what's happened. I, like I said, I just, I couldn't understand why the car was sliding so far. Well, this modified had throttled hung up. Why the guy didn't hit his kill switch. I don't know, but he pushed me. I left four black marks across the start finish line. So he <laughs> got me crossed up before the start finish line. And here I am hitting the wall in the first corner. And I end up almost in the second corner, another 50 feet with the back of the car stuffed in the wall. Well, when the rear end of the car came around, he was stuck between the rear and the door. Well, he goes up over the rear end through the back of the car, ripping the quarter panel and the trunk off and flipped twice 
Some people say three times, but he flipped twice in the air and landed upside down over by the scoreboard in his first between the first and second corner. And this is this hey. is up on the hill. Spectacular. Yeah. He was still within the track right there by the wall, but uh, it was pretty spectacular, and Ray Frank was hurt. And I'm glad it was a you know newer car with newer seat, newer cage, and all, because if it would have been a vintage car from like the 70s, right, I might not be here. It was a little quarter-inch tubular frame for the seat. And- yeah, well, you know, like I said, just uh, I was very fortunate it hit me like it did. But, um, and that's how quick stuff can go wrong. I mean, I was doing another four laps of practice, you know, and just, I handed a guy back a hood pin. <laughs> yeah. And, um. Well, we watched the video. You showed it, we, we watched video and it wasn't of the wreck, but of the, just you going around the track a couple of times. Looked good. Yeah. You I mean, out there conducting yourself well, and then you didn't come around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what they call that. There's it a happened na- very quick. Yeah. I mean, it's to me. It felt like it was taking forever watching that wall slide by, and I'm like, "What in the world is happening?" And then, like I said, when it hit the fence, it was all over. With I had about uh, 600 horsepower pushing me sideways down straight away, and uh, it destroyed that car too. So both they wiped two of them out. And they uh, they call that a two wrecker. Yeah, it, it it took over an hour and ten minutes to clean the track up. They had to call my car around the track on with two wreckers and. Uh, yeah, when that happens, he's pretty messed up. Yeah. So, well, we're glad you're you're well. And yeah, uh, and uh, like I say, you know, I had some hurt ribs from that, and uh, well, that I got combined with, with the tornado E30. and stuff. Yeah, yeah I got me a ride <laughs> in the E30 at, at Amp, and oh man, I've wanted to race Amp so bad, so bad for so long, so many years. I was like, oh, I can do it, I can do it. <laughs> so I get in there, my ribs all hurt and everything. I get in the car and I'm feeling pretty good. Well, hey. End up third overall, man. That thing was rocking. So the next day, he had another drive. He had a driver that had to leave, and I ended up having to drive two stints on Sunday. <laughs> I ended up driving at E30 over six hours. I was still fine until the ride home. <laughs> and the next week, I was a hurt old man. And you drove down there by yourself, right? You didn't come with me. Uh, no, no, my daughter Kayla. Oh, that's uh, right, that's my, right. Yeah. My daughter is somewhat almost our in law. They went down there with me. They went doing girl stuff. Yeah. While I was at the racetrack. So Yeah, that was uh it's always that three or four days later when it hits. Yeah, so. that was some that was some good, good times right there. I I'd do it all over again. I'm that much of a redneck. Yeah. That much of uh eat up with this stuff and love oh, yeah. it so much. You're a racer, man. Well, Ray, I think we're done for the night. We've gone a little bit over, and uh, but we're done. And anything else you want to talk about or say? Uh, well, there's pretty things that I could, but I'm going to let the people rest. There you go. Thank you, everybody, for racing with Champ Car. We're just trying to do the best we can to uh, let you have a good racing experience. And that means, uh, you know, going home. I mean, this stuff, uh, racing is dangerous. But then again, as I tell everybody, not as dangerous as slow pitch softball or horse riding. <laughs> horse riding, yeah. Horse riding is number one as far as getting your butt hurt. Yep. Or dead. So you know, it's all in what you want to do. Come on, have some fun with us. This thing is great. Cool. All right, Ray Frank, Chief of Tech, Board of Director, Champ Car Endurance Series. I'm Bill Strong. And that's going to do it for another episode of Inside Champ Car. 
If you liked what you heard, subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any episodes. And it'd be great if you could share it on your social media channels. Hashtag Inside Champ Car, all one word. You can comment on Champ Car Facebook page, especially if it's a good one. We have new episodes every week. I'm Bill Strong, and you're listening to the Racing Wire Podcast Network.